All right, good morning, everybody. All right. So spiritual disciplines where we're, what is where we're in. We're going deep. As Alex has said last week, we're going deep in our relationship with God. It's about formation of the heart because our heart is where we have our character and the essence of who we are come from the heart. The more you develop the heart, the more your life is developed. You can change your actions, but on the inside, if the inside is not transformed, it actually doesn't matter. It's like, it's this, this often happens to me, especially with mangoes. It's like when you pick up a fruit, right, and you, you look at the grocery store and it looks flawless and it looks amazing. And you're like, this is going to be the best mango that I'm ever going to eat. And you go home and you're, you're excited to open this fruit up and you cut it and it's just black on the inside. You know that feeling? It's disappointment, right? You're just like, this fruit looks so amazing on the outside, yet on the inside, it's rotten. That's what Christians are without spiritual formation. That we could do all the good things and all the right things on the outside, that we could say the right things, behave the, the right way, but if we don't develop the inside, if we don't transform ourselves from the inside out, what comes out eventually is your heart. God's, Jesus says, out of your heart the mouth speaks, right? Out of the inflow of what you are inside, on the inside, out of that is how you live out your life. You could only try so hard. You could only do this for so long until someone discovers what your insides are actually like. And that's what spiritual disciplines and spiritual formation does. It's what we take in our spiritual journey, what we do in our spiritual journey as we build our relationship with Jesus, that's what makes our insides good. That's what transforms us from the inside and out of that we minister. You know that if you minister out of that place, you're going to be that much stronger? That people are going to see Jesus in you? That Jesus, people are going to see that there is something different about you? That it doesn't actually, it no longer really matters what you do. Your actions are already dictated by what your heart is. So even if you make a mistake, grace comes. That people know your heart Everybody is able to read people, right? We know if people are genuine or not. We know that if people are actually doing this because they actually love me and care for me, or if people are actually doing this just so that they, they get the notoriety, they get the glory. We can always see that. As people, as a church, we also see churches that are similar to that where we see churches that function on the surface because the church is filled with broken people, broken people that don't go deep. However, if we don't talk about the brokenness, we will never become healthy. A healthy church has a great mission and vision and is doing a lot in the community. But a healthy church also needs to go deep. J.I. Packer, a renowned theologian, observed this. He said, when Christians meet, they talk to each other about their Christian work and Christian interests, their Christian acquaintances, the state of the church and the problem of theology, but rarely of their daily experience of God. 
Modern Christian books and magazines contain much about Christian doctrine, Christian standards, problem with Christian conduct, techniques of Christian service, but little about the inner realities of fellowship with God. Our sermons contain much sound doctrine, but little relating to the con converse between the soul and the Savior. We do not spend much time alone or together in dwelling on the wonder of the fact that God and sinners have communion at all. No, we just take that for granted and give our minds to the matters. Thus, we make it plain that communion with God is a small thing to us. What J.I. Packer is saying is it's easier for us to talk about the strategies of the church and growing the church, the church's influence, to serve the poor, to plant churches. These are all good things, and these are all necessary things. Don't get me wrong. And these are all principles in advancing the gospel. But if we really are churches filled with disciples, we need to start our journey on our knees. This is the reason why we're going through this series. This is the reason why we're studying this, these things is to deepen our dependence and desperation for God, right? As a culture that we live in, we live in a place where we, we celebrate independence, but the church is called to a culture of dependence as we grow in that dependence through our spiritual disciplines. And so today, we're looking at fasting. As a spiritual discipline, fasting comes alongside prayer, okay? This is, fasting is the exclamation point in prayer to say that, God, I need you. Psalm 63 says this, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you. And as in a dry and weary land where there is no water, so I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your names, I will lift my hands. My soul will be satisfied as rich, as fat and rich food. Fasting is about earnestly seeking God. It's seeking God with your whole heart. Oftentimes as a church, we confuse earnestly seeking things from God rather than to seek God himself. If you seek the things that God could give you, you will be disappointed. But if you seek after the person of God, to be in the presence of God, it's hard to look for something better. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your heart. We thank you for this church. We thank you for your church. That you've called your church to have such an abundant life. And that you've called your church through your son, redeeming us, restoring our relationships. So Father, as we come before you today, as we look into the spiritual discipline of fasting, we ask for our hearts to be able to long for you and for your presence. So Holy Spirit, fall in this room. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, for those that don't know, today is Lunar New Year's. A lot of different Asian cultures are celebrating it. And what I love about Lunar New Year's besides the red pockets, <laughs> for those that don't know what red pockets are, they're little envelopes that you get, and they're filled with money. What I love is the feasting, right? 
I know some, a lot of, most of you probably did your, your, your big family dinner last night because it was, that's, that's what we call golving, which means uh, to, 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 to feast before the new year. Our family's doing it today because we can't get our, our stuff together and we can't get our people together, so we're doing it today. That's how tr traditional we are as a, as a family. But as you know, you may or may not know, Chinese culture and food go hand in hand. There's so many things about our Asian cultures that, that revolve around food. Like when you go home or you go to your friend's house, the aunties and uncles and your parents don't greet you with, hi, how are you? They always greet you with, which means, have you eaten yet? Right? That's how they greet you. It's not, it's not, about, it's not about how are you doing, have you eaten yet? It's the well-being of you is, uh, are you fed? That, that, that's Chinese culture. Chinese culture revolves around food. So much so that my family is very food motivated. You can see myself and my, my daughter. <laughs> we are just food driven. Give me a snack any day. That, that shows me your love. Oftentimes my, my wife asks me, what are you thinking about? 99% of the time, food. As we finish my first meal, as I'm finishing lunch, I'm already thinking about what's for dinner and thinking what's for snacks. That's, that's, that's just who we are. That's just how, what, what I'm motivated by is actually food. So for me to talk about fasting and to encourage you to do some, a fast, this is a big deal, right? This is something that, for those that don't know what fasting is, fasting is abstaining from food. So as we, if we look at this idea of fast, it's not an easy discipline to give up food. God created food for us to enjoy. In his creation, God created trees of different varieties for us to eat from. Jesus, when he leaves, he says that I'm going to create what? A banquet. Oh my goodness, I cannot wait for that day. Imagine you go to heaven and it's like, banquet time! Feast. Amazing. That God created us to eat food. That God created to enjoy his creations. And part of enjoying that creation is through eating. Eating brings us together. Eating is something that, that draws us as humankind. You know what? That's something that we could all kind of re like relate to each other with, right? We could settle our differences with food, right? If you and I have a disagreement, let's go out and eat. Come on. We'll settle this. Let's eat. That'll make me feel better. Your, your stomach's full. My stomach's full. We're good. Right? And then we could talk. We don't want to talk on an empty stomach. That, that's not good. Like, you, I, you, yeah. <laughs> God wants us to enjoy what he's given us. Food is good. It's the generosity of God that is to be received with thanksgiving. So, with all this, why should we fast? Fasting isn't saying that food isn't good, but it's coming to, to a place where we say God is better. That's what fasting is about. This spiritual discipline, like most spiritual discipline, is a journey to the heart. Are we ready? Ultimately, every single one of these journeys will take place in community, and it ultimately leads us to service. 
But the first task for us is to reflect on our daily lives and to seek God in God's activity. So last week, Alex asked these three questions. Where am I as a Christian? Do I love God more now than earlier in my life? And do I have more faith since I started on the spiritual path? Like we said, the goal of these questions is not to grade yourself, but to help you figure out where do I need to begin to grow, to grow deeper in my relationship with God. Fasting is not something that's exclusive to Christianity. Many religions actually observe it for spiritual practices. But also in our culture, even if it's not religious, it's something that we are familiar with. We actually see a lot of diet trends that include intermittent fasting. People also fast for political purposes, like John D. fasted for, for the independence of India. Fasting isn't exclusive to the Christian faith. So why do we have to fast? Fasting in the Bible centers on spiritual purposes. We see that Jesus fasted for 40 days before he began his ministry, where he abstained from food. We also see that Daniel did a partial fast where there is a restriction of, of, of his diet in Daniel 10. For three weeks, Daniel said, I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all. Esther inst instructed Mordecai to hold a fast for three days and three nights for her. And she said, I will fast too alongside with my, with my servants. There's even corporate fast for atonements of sins, like when Nineveh was called to repent. Nineveh, even the livestock, fasted to return back to God. Jehosh Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat, called the nation to fast when Judah was invaded. Ezra had the exiles fast and, and pray for safety while they returned to Jerusalem. Fasting is always linked to a desire of transformation. It is about breaking ourselves free from idolatry and to express the deep longings of our heart for Jesus. Fasting is to test our heart to see if there's something in our lives that has a hold on us. Fasting doesn't always have to be food. Okay? Fasting in our culture and I think these are good fasts for you guys to, to try out. To fast from the TV, to fast from the internet, to fast from media, to fast from the news. Sometimes the news bombards us so much that we get overwhelmed. Here's a big one, to fast from our phones. Has anyone ever tried to do that? To fast from your phones? Maybe switch over to a dummy phone for, for 21 days. Seriously, I'm actually thinking about doing that to fast from my phone. Actually, I went out with Emmanuel during the break, and I found out that Emmanuel um, has a dummy phone. Like, he doesn't use a smartphone. And I was so impressed. I was like, dude, I, 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 I aspire to be like you. So do we, so I encourage you guys to fast. Fasting doesn't have to always be from food, but fasting gives us the reality of what are our idolatries? What are we holding on to? What are the things that are controlling us in our lives? What are the things that we need to have a restart and a reboot? That's what fasting does. Fasting allows us to come to a place and saying, God, I need you more than 
blank. Whatever it is that you're struggling with. God, I want you more than blank. Fill in that blank with the things that you, are, that, that you feel like is overwhelming you. Sometimes those things, I'm not going to say your kid because <laughs> as parents you need to take care of your kids, okay? <laughs> Although I'm sure every single parent here is like, I could, I could use a fast for my kids, <laughs> right? Right? But fasting from whatever is the thing that overwhelms us at this point in our lives. So, do we have to fast? The answer is no. The Bible does not make fasting an obligation, but only because fasting was already part of the culture. Matthew 6.16 says this, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, and their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. You see, what Jesus says here is, doesn't say here is, if you fast, Jesus doesn't say you must fast. Jesus' instructions on fasting is when you fast, right? So what Jesus knows is that the fasting part is fasting is already part of the Jewish culture. It's already part of the Jewish culture and tradition. Fasting isn't something that they don't know how to do. In fact, Jesus' teaching on fasting isn't how to do it, but the heart and why we're doing it. Jesus, the Jewish tradition if you know the Jewish tradition, it has a number of, of fasts, like Yom Kippur, right? It's a, it's a full-day fast. That's a 36-hour fast. But then throughout the year, they also observe different fasts, which are partial fasts, which is only fasting from sunrise uh, to sundown, right? So you could eat during the dark, but not, not during the day. It's e probably easier during the winter months than the, the summer months. <laughs> but... Fasting was already in Jewish culture. They already understood what that meant. They, they already knew that fasting is us setting ourselves apart to seek after God. That was already in, within the Jewish culture. They didn't need to learn how to fast. So Jesus never actually taught them how to fast because everybody already knew how to fast. Jesus was teaching, and in this teaching, he was teaching, what is your posture and what is your heart? So let's look at that. Let's look at what Jesus is saying here. Jesus says, when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces and their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. You see, during Jesus' time, a lot of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, a lot of the religious people, they often fasted. This is something that they, they often did. This is not something that is new to them. But when the Pharisees fast, they make it a point where they put on these robes and they, 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 they make sure that people know that I'm fasting. Because it gives them this, this, this notoriety or this, this sense of I'm doing something that is spiritual that you are not doing. It's, there, there's a hypocrisy to it because they're doing it so that others could see them fasting. So that others know that, hey, I'm more spiritual than you because I'm fasting. That I'm doing this practice because I know God better than you do. What does Jesus say? Jesus is that their reward is that. 
That's all that they get. They're not going to get to know me more. They're not going to get to know God more. They're not going to really gain anything. All they're going to gain is, the, is the, the idea of somebody knowing that they're fasting. That somebody seeing them and saying, oh yeah, he is more spiritual. She is more spiritual. I probably need to do something like that. But the heart there is not actually about seeking after God. The heart there is actually seeking after people's approval of who they are. So Jesus is like, when you fast, make sure you know how you're fasting and what you're fasting for. When you fast, make sure that you set yourself apart. When you fast, make sure that you actually, what does he say? He says, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. Jesus says, make yourself look as presentable as possible so that people don't actually know you're fasting. Because oftentimes when people, when, when the, the Pharisees fasted, they, fasting actually comes with the place of actually not even anointing yourself. Anointing yourself is actually putting the oils on and, and washing yourself, right? That, w- that was a common practice. We, if, we, if we look at the book of Daniel, we see that, that even when Daniel fasted, he, he did not bathe, he did not do, like this is yourself setting yourself apart. But Jesus says, no, go and get on with your day and do, anoint your head, wash your face. So that what? That your fasting may not be seen by others. We're not to draw our t- attention to ourselves when we fast. Because this is a personal thing. This is, we're, we're going to get into this later, but we're going to talk about corporate fasting as well. But in your personal fast, it is something that is between you and God. It is you seeking after God. It is you coming to the place of saying, God, I want you more than food itself. Okay? I want you more than my phone itself. I want you more than TV itself. I want you more than media itself. I want you more than whatever it is that you're, you're, you're trying to get rid of. I want you more. And so this is something that is between you and God. And it is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will what? Will reward you. That reward comes with a transformed life. That reward comes with a renewed idea of who God is. That reward comes with me being able to see God clearly. Me being able to see God for who he is. Me being able to recognize that I need God more than anything else in this world. That's what that reward is. Fast is not a command. But Jesus is going off the principle and traditions of what fasting has, was done for, and that is to seek after the heart of God personally and to intercede corporately for God's people to return for it to him. It's about building that intimate walk with God. Our current culture, fasting and giving, is actually the two most disputed elements in our Christian devotion, fasting and giving. Because as a church, we are so accustomed to what we call as cheap grace that we instinctively shy away from more demanding calls to obedience. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross. Cheap grace is believing in God for salvation, but stopping there stopping there and seeking after him. 
You see, when we understand the fullness of what grace actually is, grace is a love that propels our God to say, I will pay the price for your sin. The sins that you have committed, that you are free from these sins and that you are restored, that God has come to take you and save you and to rescue you from death then continues to restore your soul and say that you are righteous and you are mine. That's what grace is. When we are able to see this, you come to a place where your heart is forever in debt to that person that saved you. If someone saved you from a certain death, wouldn't you be so grateful? Wouldn't you feel like my life now belongs to you? Wouldn't submission be so much easier because we actually understand, you know what, submission is actually another thing that as Christians, as a church, that we, are, we find incredibly hard to do. Why? Because we, are, we live in a culture, in our North American culture, we live in a place where submission means that we are underneath or below or that we're not worth as much. But the reality of submission isn't that. The reality of submission is coming into a place where we say that there is something that is greater out there that has done something so much better than what I can do, and I submit to that because I know that he has a better plan for me. That's what submission is. It's not a place of weakness, but it's a place of strength that we're able to say that I trust in somebody more than I trust in myself. That's what submission is. But we live in a culture where we, we, we find that submission isn't actually something that is to be celebrated. Where we find that it's difficult because we have to give up ourselves. Submission is something that the church does not do well in. We talk about it a lot. Oh man, do we talk about it a lot. But we don't actually do it well. We don't come to that place where we say, Jesus, you are Lord of my life because you died for my sins because you sent your son down into this earth to live a life so that he could be the perfect sacrifice for my sins and, li and live out my consequences. To remember that Jesus died so that you can live. That Jesus died so that you can have a life with him that is eternal. When you are able to see that, then you're able to submit. When you're able to see that, then all that you want and all that you have should belong to God. Right? Amen, church? Remember this. This is the gospel, okay? That when we are struggling in our faith, when we are struggling in our walk with, with Jesus, to remember what Jesus did for you. I know that is so cliche, and I know it's being brought up in the church and, 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 and living out this Christian life. This, this becomes something that it's almost like, yeah, I, I know that Jesus died for me. I know that Jesus died for me. Think about the worst thing you've ever done. The worst thing. And think about how Jesus just died for that. That Jesus said, Forgiveness is on me. My grace is on me. That you are forgiven. That you are righteous. That you are clean. That you could come to me. That you have access to me. That's, that's grace. 
That's the beauty of the gospel. It's the worst thing you have done. God said, I forgive you. That I stepped in the place of the consequence that you have to face. And I stepped in that place. That's grace. For us, fasting is coming to that place of I earnestly seek you, that I earnestly desire you. Fasting is us coming to that place of saying, God, there is something in my life that is blocking me from getting to know you deeper, and therefore I am going to give up food. Why is it food? Because food is something that our bodies are conditioned to have, right? Has anybody here done a fast before? When we fast, the hardest period of a fast is the first 24 hours, right? Because we feel like we need to eat. We, 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 we skip a meal and our hunger pans, they, they start. But you're actually not hungry. You're not actually starving. It's just your body is so conditioned to that place of, I need food right now. I need to eat. If I don't eat, I'm going to be grumpy. If I don't eat, you're going to see the hangry side of me. If I don't eat, I'm going to die. My blood sugar is going to go down. All of these things. You know what? That's all a mind trick, okay? You're not going to die. You could go three days without eating and you're still going to be fine. That's your body. That's how resilient your body actually is. But the reason why we feel like we need to eat is because our bodies are conditioned to eat. Right? So when we fast, these are little cues for us to understand, hey, I need to pray right now. That's why we abstain from food is because God knows this is something that you actually require every single day. This is something that you want every day. This is something that you desire every single day. And so in those moments where you're hungry, in those moments where you're feeling that hunger pain, that is a reminder for you from God, from the Holy Spirit, from your natural body to say, hey, it's time to pray. Hey, it's time to seek after me. Hey, we're going to replace eating food with earnestly seeking to desire God. That's what fasting does. That's what the spiritual practice does. This is a reminder of us going back to God every single moment. Whatever, I don't know how many times you guys eat. I eat five times a day. So God probably needs to prompt me more to pray because I probably need to pray more than you guys do because I'm, I'm evil and I'm, I'm corrupt and I'm a broken person. But whatever it is, God is prompting you to pray. In that period of fast, that first 24 hours, super hard. So like every spiritual discipline that we're going to be talking about, there is a progression to coming to that place of learning how to do that spiritual discipline. We don't just go and do it. We actually learn how to do these things, right? Last week, Alex said, his disciples came to Jesus and said, teach me how to pray, right? There's an aspect of learning. There's an I idea that we could actually come into this. If we're not in that place of, of fasting right now, let's learn together. How do we do that? Let's do it gradually. Start off with a partial fast. Start off with a fast where it's just one meal in the day. Maybe it's lunch. Right? We're all working. We all have school. Some of you are like, you know what? If I don't take my lunch, 
you, that afternoon me is not a good person to be with. But let's try replacing that lunch with prayer time. Just one lunch, once, once a week. You don't have to do it every day. Once a week, lunch. Take that hour break that you would you'd normally take for, for lunch and say, I'm going to take this time to seek after God. I'm going to take this time to devote myself after who God is. I'm going to take this time to earnestly grow in my relationship with God. Do that once a week. See what that does for you. Ease yourself into it. Don't, don't go into it. I'm going to go right into a 40-day fast. You're going, I'm going to tell you you're going to die. You're going to be disappointed. You're going to. <laughs> you're, you're not going to last. Okay? Not many people are able to do a 40-day fast, okay? And this, Jesus did it, Moses did it, Elijah did it in the Bible, okay? Maybe some of you are up in those ranks, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not. But if we can't do that, and you're, you're like, okay, medically I can't do that, health-wise I can't do that, let me challenge you to do a Daniel fast. I know there's a number of people in this church that have done the Daniel fast. A Daniel fast is a partial fast in where you still get to eat, but you abstain from all the delicacies of eating. So you get to eat fruits, veggies, whole grains. That's it. Okay? 21-day fast. That's what it was. Three weeks. You're still eating fruits, veggies, whole grains. Let me tell you, it's hard. That first week, oh, it's hard. Because your body goes into withdrawals. You don't get salt. You don't get sugars. You don't get no coffee, <laughs> no teas, no caffeine. That first week is rough. But the Daniel Fest allows you to go into a place of taking away, you know, the enjoyment of food. <laughs> I, I say that because that's how it feels to me. <laughs> but it brings you to the, this place of, I'm doing this for God. That as I eat these bland food, You know what, I hate brown rice. That's the only rice you could have during that time. <laughs> and you're chewing like forever. There's no <laughs> sauce to it. It is, literally you feel like, oh, what am I doing? It actually takes the joy out of eating. Actually, you eventually you just don't eat because you're just like, well, forget it. <laughs> Maybe that's what the Daniel fast does. Just propel you into that direction. But, but do a Daniel fast. Do it in a place where you're, you're, you're saying, God, I, I'm seeking something in this season of my life. I'm seeking, I'm, I'm going through a transition. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I need your wisdom. Go into the place of doing a Daniel fast if you cannot abstain completely from food. You're abstaining from sugars. Actually, you're going to see your health improve, to be honest with you. Um, I definitely slim down when I do the Daniel fast. I come out of a fast really badly, and I'm not going to, I'm going to encourage you guys to not do what I do. Don't do what the pastor does, okay? I come out of a fast and I indulge. <laughs> and that's terrible because then you get tummy aches, you get all these things, your sugar rush, everything, your, your brain just goes into a mess. But go into a fast with the heart of seeking after God. Come out of the fast with that same heart. Okay? Come out of the fast with the same heart. Like I said, don't do what John does. But the fasting... What you're going to see, this is what my experience with fasting is. I'm really going off my script. 
what I find that the first week is the hardest because all you're thinking about by day four is that I want to eat some sugar. I want to eat something. I want to drink something beyond besides water. I want it, it, your body starts shutting down. You're f you feel like, oh, I'm, you're going to feel like even your temperature, like you're going to feel colder, right? Deborah's looking at me like, I always feel cold. But you're going to feel that something's changing in your body. You're going to have all these cravings. You're going to notice that even with if you're fasting from other things, like a media fast or a phone fast, you're going to go into a place of withdrawal. That is guaranteed is going to happen. I'm promising you that the first four days are the hardest time of going into a fast. Okay? You're going to be like, why am I doing this? Like, John, this is bad advice. I'm a terrible parent. I'm a terrible wife. I'm a terrible dad I'm a terrible husband this is the worst advice you have ever given me now I promise you after day four it gets better your mind starts to clear up you start in your prayer time you're actually I, I day four of my prayer time this is what it sounds like God I want food God I'm hungry God I am thirsty I am I am desperate for something besides you right now and that's the beauty of the fast that you're, you're able to go to that place with God, that you are able to lament, and actually part of fasting is lamenting, okay, don't feel like you're seeking after God always has to be perfect, always has to be good, part of going into that is actually you're going to go through a, a period of lament, you're going to go through a, a period of, man, this sucks, life sucks, my, my, my world is down in the pits right now, and you're going to get to that place, but Starting the next week, you're going to begin to see that there is change that starts to happen. That in those moments where you're frustrated, you're going to be like, oh, actually, God is doing this in my life. Where you press that button for the elevator and it takes 10 minutes to, to come down, you know that feeling? You're just like, oh, I'm in a hurry. But in that time of hurry, you're actually, you, you begin to get into that place of, actually, I could use this time to pray. I could use this time to, 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 to worship. I could use this time to know who my God is. And you start getting into this habit of like, oh, something is happening. By week three, that's when the magic actually begins to happen. Where in your prayer time, you're starting to hear. It's not just about you praying, but you're starting to receive things from God where God is answering your prayers, where God is, is, is starting to speak to you and his promises are, are, are over your life. And God begins to reveal things to you uh, in, in the things that you're seeking after. And so, church, I encourage you guys to do this. I encourage you guys to do this because I personally know that this works. That I personally know that this is a spiritual discipline that is worth trying. It is worth doing. And it's hard. This is one of those things where where. Not a lot of people talk about it, nor do a lot of people encourage it. But did you know that John Wesley, when he, he, was, a, he was a pastor of a Methodist church, he actually made it mandatory for his church to do? Mondays and Fridays, he's like, mandatory fast, lunch fast. Everybody's doing that. Jesus doesn't command us to do that, so I'm not going to command you guys to do that. But this is a very, very beneficial practice. Very, very beneficial practice that God has called us to do. 
Fasting is about the spiritual. It's about engaging in spiritual warfare. It'll come with breakthroughs. It'll come with more of a hunger for God than for food. Fasting is about transformation. It's both for the individual and for corporate. I'm not going to get into that today because I feel like I've taken enough time. But this is an act of worship. A call to fast is a call for our community, for breakthrough, for breakthrough in our, in our, in our own spiritual health. That's what fasting is for. Okay, church? I, I don't have this in my notes, but this morning I was w- reading through my devotions. And I feel like this is actually for the church. We all know the famous passage, Jeremiah 29, 11, right? But oftentimes we take that passage out of context and we think that it's just God's plans for us. But one of the things that, that I really feel like, just to give you the context of Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, is the people are in their exile, right? Israel, Israel is exiled and God is calling his people to be in Babylon and say that you need to bring your spirituality into Babylon in exile. Exile is going to last for 70 years. So I, I, I'm going to be with you in this. I'm gonna, the, the verse for I know the plans I have for you. That's actually God saying, I know the plans I have for you. Like your exile is going to be 70 years. It's going to be in this place. I really believe that we are in a place where spiritually the church is in, in exile. Right? God has called the church to be in this place of exile and say, I need you to press in right now. I need you to come into your communities and I need you to press into who I am so that you can minister in the places that you're ministering to, that, that, that you're placed to placed in that God is calling you as a church yes it's hard it's tough our cultural climate it's tough to be a Christian it's hard because we are bombarded with so many things that influence us but God is saying no I need you to press into into who I am right now I need you to pray I'm gonna need to read these verses because it's, it says it so much better than I can tell you okay I don't know if you know this I can't read with my glasses on because I'm getting old and I need bifocals. So you're going to see me do this. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have no shame anymore. <laughs> oh, Alex, thank you. It says this. I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will heal you. You will seek me and find me and when you seek me with your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to a place from which I sent you into exile. I believe that's for the church. I believe that God is calling us as a church to go back to that place and say, pray, seek after me, and in that, God will bring us back out of exile. 
Amen, church? Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for who you are and what you're doing in our community. Lord, we just lift up our, our worship, our praise unto you, and Lord, may we earnestly seek after who you are. May you call your church to a place of earnestly seeking and desiring your presence in their life. And Lord, may we as a church corporately be able to worship you in that place so that we could give you glory. Father God, we just pray that you move this church, that you move your people to a place where they are seeking after who you are. So Lord, we give you our worship for you are worthy of it all. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our heart and flesh cry out for you, the Holy Lord. And really, if we know the reality, it's our, our flesh cries out for food each and every day. It cries out for the things that we like. It cries out for the things that, that make us happy in the immediate and the here and the now. And, you know, the call to fasting is, is about shifting our priorities. And... You know, it doesn't always have to be a fast about the same thing that we're, we're looking for. You know, I just wanted to throw up John's um, slide here from his, his sermon. And it says, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. And that's how the Jewish culture prepared for prayer. So it's when you're going to fast, prepare to pray. It's not about only what you're giving up. It's about what you're going to fill it with. And that's that, that, that call to God. And so, you know, I want to encourage you guys in a couple ways is, is one, you know, if there's something you want to give up, the indulgences, you know, you know, like John said, we can survive three days. Some of us can probably go a few more than that before we'd really hit any kind of physical discomfort. But, you know, if there's something you're trying to give up, then fast. It, it seems, you know, it's like giving up coffee. It's like, Oh, oh, that, 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 that's the line, God. But here's the thing. We step into faith and trust him to provide, right? That's why it says, give us this day our daily bread, right? It's not just remove all the temptations from us so that we get to just saunter through life. This is, this is the daily call. This is, this is why it takes work, and this is why it's hard, right? And, um, you know, the other thing I just wanted to encourage is, is fasting is a great way if, if you're wanting to pray for something or you're feeling called to pray for something, but it just keeps escaping you. It keeps slipping away. I promise you, you won't forget to pray when you're hungry. It, it's one of the amazing things. Our bodies crave things all the time. And so when you give up something, if you give up food, you'll never have so many invitations to a meal in your life. If you give up drinking, someone will for sure invite you to go to Vegas. Like, it's, it's just the way the enemy comes at you. But here's the thing. When you say to someone, hey, I know you're in a difficult place and I'm going to pray for you, use a fast as a way to prompt that. Because, you know, as we talked about last week, prayer is, 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 is really the anchor behind all of these things. He wants our time. He wants our heart, right? And, and don't do it because it makes you feel good or, or do it because it makes you feel spiritual. Do it because you want to spend time with him. Do it because it reminds you that, Lord, I'm, I'm hungry, but I know that I have still so much blessing here in this place. I know that at any point, 
I can go to my cupboard and get food, but I don't need to because I'm here and I'm in this place with you. And, you know, it just reminds me, it's just, it's a little bit of the temptation that Jesus had every day walking through his time on earth. At any point, he could grab his divinity, grab his power. He could make changes. He could make it all go away. But he didn't. He walked in his discipleship just as he was discipling others, right? And, it, and we know that he was tempted in every way that we are. So if he, if he can do it, this is our call to step into this as well. And the good news is we get him to help us. So, Lord, we just lift up this morning. We just thank you for the call to fasting. Lord, a reminder of the blessings that you put in our lives. Lord, the, the excess and the, the, just the grace that we live under. Lord, you, you give us so much. And so, Lord, we, we seek to break from the things that distract us, break from the things that we lean on that are not of your understanding. And so, Lord, we just ask that in this week you would show us how to give up something, a small thing, a full fast, whatever it is, Lord, but that you would show us some place where we can come and put our faith into you. Lord, we seek to put you first in our marriages, put you first in our finances, put you first in our households, Lord, put you first in our jobs, Lord. We know you are the fount of wisdom and knowledge, and so, Lord, why would we not come to you first? And so, Lord, we just um, declare that we love your presence. Lord, we love the, the comfort and the love that you pour upon us, and so, Lord, we seek more of that. So, Lord, show us how to shift away from this world Show us how to shift more into your culture. And so, Lord, we just declare that this morning and just ask that you bless us as we go forth this week. Amen.